Taste crime cast. I'm Vicky. I'm Janelle. And it's New Year's Eve. Yes, literally <laughs> New Year's Eve. <laughs> we made it now, finally, after trudging through all of the muck. It's been a difficult year. Dodging mm. some bullets and starting a podcast. <laughs> We've made it. <laughs> we have made it. Somehow. Yes. To the last day Hopefully of 2017. Everything that we've worked for isn't ruined. When they tomorrow vote on net neutrality. Sorry. Okay. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so yes, tomorrow is 2018. Very exciting. Yes. I guess we've almost been doing this for a year. Almost. Yeah. It's Which coming is up. <laughs> a little crazy to think about. It doesn't feel like it at all, though. To me, at least. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed our Christmas episode. Um, and if this is your first time <laughs> listening, a special hello to you. Oh, that sounds like a catchphrase. What? Uh. <laughs> yeah. um, we've got a great episode planned for you guys today. But first, let's head over to the newsroom. So we thought instead of doing um, our normal news segment, we would talk about some of the highest crimes that happen. Let me let me rephrase that. The top crimes that happen. <laughs> the highest, <laughs> highest crimes. <laughs> the highest crimes. Um, the, the things that have the highest crime rate on New Year's Eve. So I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of these, I bet you any money you could guess what most of these are. Uh, drunken. And especially the number one. Public drunkenness. <laughs> well, uh, DUI or DWI. Theft. Yeah. <laughs> so the most common, of course, is DUI. If you're going to a party tonight, just Uber don't. It. <laughs> yeah, Uber it or don't drive because you Walk know the cops home. are going to be all out all over the roads. <coughs> Nobody wants to die in an accident. Yeah, try not to die. Yeah. Um, second, property damage. I could see that. Um, Directly correlating to number one. <laughs> yeah, you get drunk and decide to jump off a balcony onto a table. Or drive over someone's fence. Or cat. Oh, I'm just saying. you had to take it there? They Because they included pets. It was lighthearted fun. They included like, pets oh. and property damage. Why are you damaging my pet? I'm just saying. <laughs> um, sounds better when you say you damaged my pet and you ran over my cat. <laughs> You've damaged my pet. Would it be better if... Oh, jeez. Would it be better if I said you damaged my pussy? This is the last episode of the Bad Taste Podcast. <laughs> um, number three, assault and battery. Okay, yeah. Again, see number Bites. one. Yes, it's just all... Related. People get wasted and start brawling over chicks. I'm assuming that's what happens. I don't leave my house anymore. Oh my god, stop! Fighting you guys over little Everybody me. Everybody see them fighting over me. <laughs> um, number four, public intoxication. 
C number one. Got it. <laughs> I called it. And the last one is trespassing, which okay. I found interesting. Yeah. But I feel like if you get wasted and you're like, let's go swimming, we can jump into this guy's pool. In the end of December. <laughs> I mean, you have you, to be obviously in a warmer climate for that. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> not maybe, not, maybe not in Chicago, but yeah. like, you know, Florida. Yeah. I've been in Christmas. California. I've been in Christmas for Florida. I was in Christmas for Florida. Or, in Christmas for Florida. In Florida. It's Florida, everything yes. backwards. Um, <laughs> I was in Florida for Christmas um, like two years ago, I want to say. And for New Year's, we were there for like a week, a little over a week, week maybe like nine days, something like that. Um, oh my God, the weather was perfect. It was like Christmas and 80 degree weather. See, we were in a that. hot tub uh, Ew, no. in New Year- on New Year's <laughs> Eve, like watching fireworks around the neighborhood. It was amazing. It was I need the to be best. freezing in a dress that's way too short trying to trudge through snow that is covering my beautiful heels that is new year's (laughs) it's not a complete new year's without all of that yes (laughs) so basically what we're getting at is just be smart and don't don't be a dum-dum don't get arrested and try not to die please right we need our listeners (laughs) on that note we're gonna switch over to netflix and kill and this week we just have one it is a documentary called voyeur um, which I haven't seen yet. It looks amazing. Shocker. I know. I haven't watched I it yet. I asked her before we started recording, I was like, this is what we're going we're gonna to talk about. Have you seen it yet? <laughs> she goes, no. Actually, we were talking about how we didn't have time to watch it. <laughs> Yesterday, I'm like, oh my god, look at this! And then I'm like, save it for later. I have no time. Little I have to get a knee breed. Yeah, right? Little did you know. Um, so Voyeur is about a journalist named Gay Talese, um, who does this report on a man named Gerald Foos, who is a Colorado motel, uh, owner. Did he create foosball? (sighs) Dude, we're not even like five minutes in. (laughs) I need my puns. Come on. They keep me alive. Um, so he built this motel that allegedly had like all of these specially designed ceiling vents and platforms that were built in the motel's attic so that he could secretly (laughs) watch the people who were staying in the motel. Which is very... I I believe that is what they based um, Psycho on, wasn't it? The guy watching from the... Maybe. I don't, I don't I like know a little if he bit was part of, of it. Um, possibly. I mean, that sounds legit I to feel me. like I might have seen it. I could be making that up. I feel like I saw that somewhere, that, like, that part of the there motel is, and, like, spying on the people that were in it. There's a movie with Jeffrey Dean Morgan in it. I yeah. just, like, spit everywhere. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And he actually owned, um, like, an apartment building, and he had built secret tunnels behind the walls so that he could watch i forget what the name of the movie is it's really good he tries to like woo this woman by watching her and like guess like making it seem like he guessed that he that she liked all of these things and was like making her dinner and then he was drugging her wine and raping her so oh literally every day well that's (laughs) that's what they do (laughs) that'll happen (laughs) That'll happen, I guess. Um, So yeah, check that out. Haven't watched it yet, as with a lot of the stuff that we tell you to watch. Just watch the stuff that we don't, so that we don't have to. Yeah. 
You can send us recommendations. You can send I us enjoy recommendations. recommendations. Yeah. Because I consume a lot of Netflix. So. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, Janelle is kind of the Netflix queen over My here. My algorithm is very specific right now. <laughs> yeah. Murder, murder, murder. murder documentary, murder. documentary. See, my, yeah, mine is all, it's like true crime, <laughs> documentaries, and I also British watch, humor. Oh, a lot of British a humor. A lot of British humor. And cartoons. A lot of cartoons. Because I'm a big cartoon watcher. Yeah, I'm a big cartoon watcher. I do watcher. find it difficult to try and search for other things outside of those realms yeah. that I watch frequently. Yeah. Because Netflix's algorithm is, like, super specific. It, like, hones in too much. Yeah. So when you try to, like, find things to broaden your horizons, it's like, no! You must only have murder and that is all! Yeah, right. Like, I do what? get the occasional, like, North Korea documentary, which, of course, Ooh. I love. I just watched a really good one yesterday that was uh, Frontline. It was, like, an hour-long Frontline thing that Ooh. they did on PBS. See, that's of all why this. I like Hulu because I can watch all like the old Datelines and stuff. Yeah. And well, and that one I think I just watched on um, on YouTube. I found it on our <laughs> Reddit. I found it on our uh, documentaries. They have a lot of good stuff up there. Awesome. Um, and it was like sm- like footage smuggled out of North, North Korea. Korea. Right. So that was really cool. I've seen a lot of that stuff, yeah. like people crossing the border to to freedom, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, on this week's show, we thought we would kind of wrap up the year and do what I've been calling our wild card episode. Yeah. So, normally, if you have listened to us before, you know, we tend to do themes mm-hmm. of our episodes, and I thought, why not mix up a little bit? Right. And sometimes there's, like, cases that we want to cover, but they don't necessarily fit into anything, or just we haven't gotten to that yet or mm-hmm. whatever whatever we wanted to cover yes. that's what we're going to talk about today. those are our personal picks our yes. personal pan picks <laughs> yes so this is that part of the show where we say content may not be appropriate for all listeners oh yeah especially mine um i, I feel like i say that every week now <laughs> yeah mine i think is really just a lot of extreme violence I don't know. Yeah. You got any specific warnings? Child Mine's, death? Uh, no child death. But, Ooh. But it's cults up in here. It's been a lot. Uh, I feel like uh, it's been a uh, long uh. time since we've had an episode that didn't talk about child death. Yeah. I mean, if you consider a teenager a child death, then yes. Oh. Well. <laughs> I have a teenage death. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us all about it? Okay. You know how much I love cults and yes, how much I, do. I love Italy. I do. So this is a combination of two loves of mine. Um, this is this is about the beasts of Satan. Can we put an eighties metal guitar riff right there? Okay. The members of this group committed three notorious ritual murders over a six year period. It's going to start out a little weird. It's gonna t- I'm going to take you on a roller coaster ride of, of things okay. that are going to happen in this case. So prepare yourself mentally, physically, get cozy. It's going to get weird. Okay? <laughs> I'm so ready. Wait, hold on. Ooh. Did you hear that? Ooh. I'm getting cozy and all of my joints are popping. Man. Yeah. I'm like Like, like we said, we're spinsters. Yes. <laughs> Physically. Okay. okay I'm emotionally. Comfy. I'm already. Okay. Um, January 1998. In the woods near Soma Lombardo, which is northwest of Milan, Chiara Marino, a shop assistant aged 19, and her boyfriend Fabio Tolis, 
who was a 16-year-old. Okay, so she was 19. <laughs> and he was 16. Okay. Weird combo. Um, he was a student and a heavy metal musician. Yeah. Were found sacrificially stabbed and beaten. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So the couple... What year was this? I'm this sorry. is 1998. Okay. So this is like early or late 90s, early 2000s is when I'm these were I'm only asking because it's like, when we talk about Satanic Panic, like this that is, is literally... Later end of it. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. like the fact that it's some guy who listens to me. I mean, that's like the standard description This has got of everything like, I love. Yeah. Cult, Satanic Panic, Italians. Yeah. <laughs> Italians. Italians. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so the couple who had spent like their Saturdays normally, they would go drinking beer, which the age for drinking in Italy is 16. Um, I don't know if it still is, but at this time it was. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, I think be surprised if it still is. I think it is. In Europe, a lot of those... Um, it's teenagers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can drink long before they can drive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which would be lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, they would usually spend their Saturday night drinking beer and listening to heavy metal music at a local heavy metal club called the Midnight Pub. Um, it was kind of in the center of the city's like heavy metal scene, which was something that was like really burgeoning at this time. Um, and it's kind of funny because if you know anything about Italy, it's an extremely religious country. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the fucking Pope lives there. Right. The Roman Catholic Church is there. <laughs> so heavy metal music at this time was like, it was like the punk scene of late 70s in the US. It was like underground. Um so they would usually go there, and this particular night, they never came home from the Midnight Pub. Um, <clears throat> initially, uh, the authorities believed that the two had run away together. However, Fabio's father, Michel Tolis, had received a phone call that evening from Fabio stating that he would not be home tonight, and instead he was going to go spend the night at his girlfriend's house. Okay. So... Michel began his kind of own investigation, stating that he did not believe his son ran away. He would spend his weeknights at home and usually would sleep over at his girlfriend's house. So it wasn't uncommon for him not to come home. However, he would usually at least, you know, call and say he was coming home at this time or whatever. And he never received a second phone call after the initial one. So he thought that was a little bit weird. So after Michel discovered just how deeply his son and had like become entangled in a cult, oh no, <laughs> he realized here it is. some shit was going on, <laughs> and he realized that his friends Andre Volpi, Pietro Guerre, and Elisabetta Bellarina um, were involved. <laughs> so remember those names for later. Okay. Um. So they he had done some investigations like. He knew that he was friends with those those people because they were in a band together, a heavy metal band. All right. Um, but they had also started a cult, and he found like oh, some they like stuff. just started their own cult. They started their own satanic cult called the Beasts of Satan. Okay, that's very so, metal. They were super involved in Satanism and the occult, and it was like a really big theme in their music. Which I mean, death metal, black metal. It's very right, very yeah. much engrossed in that. So. To most musicians in that scene, that's no big deal. But to his father, he's like, this is suspect. Because he's, you know, he's a good Catholic boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they always say, right? Yeah. Of um, course. Every parent believes their <laughs> right? kid is the 
Not the Antichrist. Not yeah, <laughs> the anti-Antichrist. Yes. Um, <laughs> so he became convinced of the connection between the Satanism and the disappearance. So over six years, he steadily constructed a file on all the activities of his friends and the band in which they played, and this evidence would actually prove to be super important later when wow. they figured out who did the murders. Man, talk okay. about armchair detective. <laughs> to the extreme. Yeah. Can you imagine this skinny little Italian man with a Luigi mustache running around Italy taking pictures of people and screaming about Satanism killing his son? In Italian. In Italian. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to fast forward from 1998 to January of 2004. Okay. Maria Angela Pizzotta was a 27-year-old shop assistant who had gone missing. She just so happened to be an ex-girlfriend of the band member and friend to um, Tolis, Andre Volpe. So <laughs> her remains are found in a greenhouse in the nearby town of Golaseca, which is not far from Soma Lombarda. Now, that's where they found the bodies of Fabio and Chiara, was in Soma Labardo. So, really close in proximity together. Okay. Um, when they uncovered her body, she had been first shot, then mutilated, and later she was buried al- while alive inside the greenhouse. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, the authorities immediately brought the ex-Andre Volpe forward to question Volpe had admitted to killing Maria Angela in a ritual sacrifice. Wow. So he just was like, yeah, I fucking killed her for Satan. Okay. Insert riff here. Yes. So, after he had admitted to the police for killing Maria Angela, Michel Tolis, the father of Fabio, immediately called the police and stated that his son had been in a death metal band with Volpe. And he brought his little packet of evidence to the police station. And wow. so the investigation began. That's amazing. He's like, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> I have him. And they do the little Italian hands. <laughs> That's <Okay>. awesome. <laughs> so they brought in this evidence and they threw it down. They were like, listen, you admitted to killing your ex. I will say I'm really <laughs> glad that the police took him seriously when he came forward with all this evidence. Oh, yeah. And not as some just like crackpot like parent yes. trying to you know what i mean because it, it could have so easily gone the other way where they just really didn't take it seriously and kind of wrote him off oh yeah so i could for sure see that happening good job um they were like listen uh we got some evidence that says uh maybe you killed these two people and he was like uh yeah yeah, I did. Yeah, I killed him. He just fucking straight wow. up confessed. He was like, yeah, fuck it, I did. Yeah, I did. You got me. He's like, yeah, um, I know where they are. I know where their bodies are buried. I know everything. And so, yeah. So he, like, told them exactly where the bodies had been buried and all this information because that was stuff that was not put out. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so they're like, yeah, it's fucking him. So... This is in the words of Volpe. He said that he decided to kill um, Kiara because she was, like, a perfect candidate for sacrifice. Okay. She was stabbed to death under a full moon, and they viewed it as, like, she was the personification of the Blessed Virgin Mary and that they had to kill her. Okay. Um, Was she she actually a virgin in real life? I don't think so. Okay. Um, She was only 19 when she had died. Um... So what happened was, 
they had went out to the woods, Fabio and Chiara and the rest of the band, and they were just hanging out, and the rest of the band had decided, without telling Fabio, that they were going to kill Chiara. So, they stabbed her in a ritual sacrifice, and Mm -hmm. as Fabio tried to stop them from killing her, he was hit in the back of the head with a hammer repeatedly until he obviously died. Right, yeah. He was then um, gagged to silence him in case he let out a scream because then they slit his throat. Wow. Yeah. So after killing the two teenagers, the uh, band members pushed their bodies into a pit, urinated on them. And totally then necessary. Buried them. Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Yeah, and um, brutal. Like, it is. <laughs> so a bunch of other mysterious murders and suicides in northern Milan had happened around this time, and so the police actually started looking at other murders that mm-hmm. occurred during the full or new moon, and they were reopened to see if they were related to the cult. The fucked up thing is there were a couple. <laughs> That actually worked. Oh, yeah. Um, There was two linked. So the murder of another of Volpe's girlfriends, Madalena Russo, uh, she was killed on Friday the 13th in September of 1995. So a couple years before they killed the teenage couple, that murder was linked to them. And then the suicide of another band member, Giuseppe Bonatare, in 2001, they tortured him so much that basically they had pushed him to kill himself. Oh my god. They were, you know, on the brink of actually murdering him anyway, yeah. supposedly, according to Volpe. Um, but he got so swept up in the satanic cult and the band, and he just couldn't handle the the pressure of it all anymore, and he had killed himself. Yeah. So, <clears throat> on February 22nd, 2005, um, Andrea... Volpi and Pietro Ghieri were sentenced in the northern city of Busto Arcisio to 30 and 16 years of imprisonment. So Volpi got 30, uh, Ghieri got 16. In addition uh, to the 1998 murders, he was also found guilty of the 2004 slaying of Pizzotta. Um In Volpi's case, the sentence was a decade longer than requested by prosecutors. So wow. they added onto it. That's a lot, too. Yeah, there was a lot of people that went down during this entire investigation. Basically, everyone who was involved in the band yeah. and everyone who was a part of the cult was sentenced to something because they all knew something or participated to some degree. Yeah. Um. So a third suspect, Mario Massione, had also confessed to the murders, but was cleared due to the, his secondary role in the crime. Okay. Um. So the reaction of the victims' families was... It was difficult. So, Fabio's father, Michel Tolis, stated that today justice was rewarded. So, he was completely okay with the outcome of the man who murdered his son and his um, son's girlfriend to 30 years in jail, because that's all he got. Yeah. Um, Well, on the other hand, the mother of Chiara was, like, straight up fucking outraged. She's like, this is a light sentence. They're murderers. This is not fair. Um, So... There was a lot of media coverage of this because of the late sentences. I mean, he had to fully, like, he has to be in jail for 30 years. He doesn't get an opportunity for parole or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But still, if you think about it, 30 years for how many people did he kill? Four. And then uh, 
participated in pushing someone to suicide. So technically yeah. five. I mean, that's fucked. Man. Well, and I think about that in terms of like the U.S. justice system, mm-hmm. and typically um, <clears throat> you run into. I would say. Most of the time, unless you're a juvenile or have some sort of, um, like, mental disability, something like that, um, you either get life or a death sentence. And in some states, you have to prove, like, malice murder so that there yeah. was intent. And even those, like, there's, it's not, like, a indeterminate sentence. It's, like, life with possibility of parole or life without. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just some, like... 30 years. Sometimes the European judicial systems are even more fucked than ours, if that's yeah. even possible. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty fucked over here. Yeah. Um, so, five more members of the group went to trial in June of 2005, and they were sentenced to long prison terms in 2006. Nicolas Apone, the leader of the um, actual, like, cult, she was the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, like, considered to be the mastermind behind all of these killings like the one who you know said okay these are the people we're gonna kill this is when we're gonna kill them yeah um was actually sentenced to a life sentence so the person who didn't even fully commit the murders just put out the outline was sentenced to life in prison while the person who actually killed them got 30 years interesting fucking explain this to me okay so (laughs) the other four Paolo Leone, Marco Zampolo, Eros Montresos, and Elisabetta Ballerina. They received sentences between 24 and 26 years for their roles. Um, on 2007, the Court of Appeals confirmed the life sentence for Sapone and improved the convictions for three other members of the group. Um, so Paolo Leone went from getting 26 years to a life sentence. Marco Zampolo went from getting 26 years to 29 years. And two months, for some reason. They added oh. two additional months. Okay. Eros Montreso went from 24 years to 27 years and three months. And then Elisabetta Ballerina was reduced from 24 years to 23. Okay. Um, I don't know how or why It seems really arbitrary, that. yeah. Um, I don't know the process of appeals in Italy, obviously. Yeah, no. Um, but that different. sounds fucking weird to me. And also, the, the fact that they appealed and got more time, they were like, you know what? I don't like your story. Another yeah. year. <laughs> but that's happened before, too. Um, like, in... Oh, when we were talking about the, the cannibal episode, mm-hmm. he was... Um, Set, uh, what's his name? My my Weiss, my Weiss, mm-hmm. I think was his name that yeah. I talked about. He was sentenced and then resentenced because of the laws. And technically, like there, that isn't double jeopardy, even though he was technically t- tried twice for the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it was like a resentencing Issue, thing. Yeah. yeah, super weird. So I mean, during this time when all these crimes were happening, I mean, Italy fucking lost their shit. You know how the satan- satanic panic was in the United States? It was oh, like yeah. threefold in Italy. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Satanism and the occult was such a huge, huge attraction to the youth of Italy because of how steeply, you know, in tradition they are with the Roman Catholic Church and yeah. and all of this. I mean, they were actually, the, the, <laughs> the church was having, like, group discussions and their priests teaching classes about how to bring children back from Satanism. (laughs) Like it's fucking bananas. One of the priests, Donaldo Bonato, he was one of the um, priests doing classes and he was, he was 
calling for a ban on all death metal music, and he was like, if this music makes itself, you know, an instrument of nefarious deeds and death, it should be stopped. Right, yeah. Um, But then, you know, the same thing happened when we had all of those, like, shootings when um, there was, like, the West Coast, East Coast rap battle kind of thing happening in, in the 90s, and they were like, we need to put a stop to all this, you know, gangster rap because it's making these children kill each other, and it's like, at what point does it turn from music to murder? It's like it's the person listening to it is the person in charge of themselves. They're the ones who decide whether or not they want to murder. Listening yeah. to a music, a song, yeah. I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> yeah, no way. And how, I mean, how many times has, like, Marilyn Manson been blamed for... Exactly. When I listen know, to Katy Perry's Firework, I don't want to be a fucking firework. Like, that's not how music works. I don't want to light myself on fire. <laughs> exactly. This is like, no. Okay? <laughs> that's not how music works. That's so funny. But yeah. yeah, that's the Beasts of Satan. Wow. Hell, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that is, and you know what? One of the few cults that is actually, like, a metal-inspired yeah. thing. Yeah. <sighs> Crazy. You just need to play like low death metal music behind that entire story. Just like it would make me think of um, it was the uh, uh, Paradise Lost documentary mm-hmm. where they just played Metallica the entire time. I mean, Enter it was like Sandman the entire over and over thing. again. <laughs> it was like, man, you want to talk about framing? Like, ugh. I mean, there is a good correlation between that and and this. I yeah. mean. That's an instance of when they're taking music and occult stuff and, and making a mockery of it. This is when a kid takes it and goes too far and is like, you know, this is real. Yeah. This is my life. This is what I need to do. It's right. like... Yeah. And for those that don't know what we're talking about, Paradise Lost is a docu... It's a three-part documentary series mm-hmm. on I the West Memphis Three. There might there's be four a return. Now. There's like a return, yeah. and yeah, there's a bunch. It's of It's like now. Paradise Lost is the first one, and then there's two more because since, of course, these three, um, I think t- at least two have been exonerated. I think um, the they one... were wrongfully convicted, and I don't, yeah. I can't remember if the third had or not. I don't think so. Because um, there were aspects of you know confessions when they were younger. They were, I mean, they were arrested when they were younger, mm-hmm. and but the thing is, is the crimes they had were originally assumed to be some sort of satanic ritual, yeah. but it happened during the height of the satanic panic, and, and really what had happened... A wild goose chase. Yeah, and, like, what had happened, I remember listening to the um, Real Crime Profile did episodes on Paradise Lost, where they looked at the documentaries, yeah. and they talked a lot about the bodies were left outside, and really what it was, it wasn't, like mutilation for, like, a satanic ritual, but it was, like, animals animals getting to the bodies. So, Mm -hmm. um... they were like, oh, the the children were nude, and it's like, well, actually, they weren't fully nude. Some of the clothes had just been literally washed off of them. Right. They were in a mud pit. Yep. Did the whole nature thing. Yeah. There's actually a really good movie. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it has Reese Witherspoon in it, where she Mm -hmm. plays the mother of one of the children that had died, and uh, they kind of frame it to make it seem like... The stepfather did it. Well, the stepfather which was is, super weird. It's, like, I mean, he is like they took one of the theories strange. of the case and yeah. turned it into an amazing movie. Yeah. I forget what the name of it is, but definitely check it out. It's got Reese Witherspoon. In it. If you just Google search her, like go on Netflix and put in her name, the movie will come up. <laughs> but it's really good. Are you doing it right now? Yeah, I must know Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> the West Memphis Three, right? Uh... <laughs> 
Devil's Knot? Yep, that's the one. Yeah, actually, I think, didn't they just recently add this back onto Netflix or I something? Think so. I feel like I yeah. just saw this not that long ago. It's so. a really good movie. They did a really good job. And Colin Firth. Yes. So we're definitely going to switch gears a little bit. Yes. Um, because mine is a complete in a completely different realm of murder. Murder. Um, so I am actually going to start mine off by playing a little song. Ooh, I love songs. Some music. A little ditty yeah. for you. <laughs> so we'll be back after this little musical break. Silicon chip inside her head gets switched to overload. And nobody's gonna go to school today. She's gonna make them stay at home. Daddy doesn't understand it. He always said she was good as gold. And he can see no reasons, cause there are no reasons. What reason do you need to be shown? So that was a song by the Boomtown Rats called I Don't Like Mondays. And that song was inspired by the person I'm going to be talking about today, a 16-year-old girl named Brenda Spencer. So mm. Brenda yeah, is right. a bitch. Anyone who's named Brenda <laughs> is a bitch. Uh, I say that a lot about certain you female say, names. Like literally every name that isn't Janelle is like that person's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda sounds like a bitch's name. <laughs> um, so Brenda was born in San Diego, California in 1962. And it was reported that she had this kind of early fascination with guns and enjoyed stories that contained violence. Um, when she was 15, her father, Wallace Spencer, gave her an automatic 22 caliber rifle for Christmas. Okay. And in later <laughs> great, interviews... Great person. I know, right? <laughs> um, everybody gets a gun when they're 15, don't you? Um, especially in California, which is... I'd I would say weird, Texas, but like... But Texas or like the Midwest, like yeah. a lot, you know? Um, so later in interviews, she had said that, quote... I asked for a radio and he bought me a gun. And when asked... Stop, you asked for a radio? Yeah. And he bought you a gun? He's like, I don't know what to get a girl for her birthday. How about a gun? How about a gun? (laughs) That's how Um, I imagine every gun owner to sound. (laughs) When asked why she thought that he might have done this, she said, quote, I felt like he wanted me to kill myself. Ouch. Yeah. Um, It's very... It sounded like... Her and her father had not a super great relationship. I would say no. Yeah. Um, Was there also a birthday card that said, kill yourself? (laughs) Happy birthday. Kill yourself. (laughs) Um, Her neighbors also reported that she had a history of uh, theft and drug use and expressed negative attitudes toward police. Okay. 
teachers would say that she was pretty introverted and they had to commonly check to make sure she was awake, which I'm like, if you're that introverted that people don't know if you're awake or not when but you're that's at not your desk, introverted. That's it's like, like, well, introverted and quiet. I imagine, <laughs> see, see what I imagine is like somebody with like the long hair that just sits and looks down and has their, their hair in front of their face the mm. whole time. And then you have to make sure they're awake. And that's, that's the class. You need your poking stick. <laughs> um, so later, um, some tests were done, like later when she was in custody, um, and they had discovered that she at some point or another had incurred an injury to her temporal lobe in her brain, and it was chalked up to a bike. But of course. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, it was chalked up to a bike accident that she had had when she was a kid. But her home life, like I said, wasn't super great. Her parents divorced, and she lived with her father in the San Carlos neighborhood in San Diego. And their lifestyle was described as in virtual poverty. And the two slept on a single mattress in the living room. Um, After searching the house, the police reported finding empty alcohol bottles throughout the house um, in 2001, Brenda actually accused her father of drunkenly subjecting her to beatings and sexual abuse, although he has always denied these allegations. Right. Of course. Anyway, back to 1978. Um, it so, was a good year. <laughs> 1978 was a real solid alive? year. <laughs> um, so in 1978, Brenda had been attending what sounds to me kind of like a BD school, like a behavioral disorder right. school. Um, that summer, she was actually arrested for shooting out the windows of Grover Cleveland Elementary School, which was a I'm gonna school. I'm going to have to ask my parents if they know, like, this school or not. Because my parents grew up in Cleveland. Not Cleveland. No, this is in California. Grover Elementary School is also a school in Cleveland. That's yeah. creepy. Yeah, I'm no. just like, it's in Cleveland. I had to do some double checking because <laughs> oh I'd God. be writing Cleveland. Yeah, no, this is in San Diego. That's creepy. Yeah, but they have a, a school named Grover Cleveland Elementary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> this first second I was like, wait, your parents grew up in California? No, they grew up in Cleveland. And yeah. I just was like, oh yeah, that's a school in Cleveland. Literally. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's called Cleveland. Cleveland! Yeah. Cleveland! <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Back uh, on track, guys. <laughs> so, the school, the Grover Cleveland Elementary School, it was located directly across the street from her house, and she had shot these windows out with a BB gun, um, but she was also charged with burglary. It sounded like she might have gone in and take a yeah. couple things. Um, she was eventually evaluated by a psychologist that her probation officer had arranged and was advised that she be admit- admitted to a mental institution for her depressed state, but her father refused to admit her. Hmm. Um, which, I don't know, I always, I feel very strongly that if you have a, some sort of mental health issue, it needs to be taken care of and not ignored. Um, so on Monday morning, January 29th, 1979, things seemed to be a pretty average day for students attending Cleveland Elementary School. They were just arriving for the day when Principal Burton Rag was opening the gate to the school to let them in. At this exact moment, Brenda began firing on the school from her home across the street using uh, the 22 caliber automatic rifle that she had gotten for Christmas. Of course. Of course. Um, so she was able to injure eight of the children waiting outside. 
Um, none of the, there were actually no children killed during the event. There was just eight injured. I don't want to say just, but there were eight injured. Um, I did see a lot of people as I was doing research point out that like she was a good enough shot that it's a wonder like why she didn't kill these kids um, and that she could have killed them if she wanted to and almost like chose not to kind of a thing. Just like to scare him or something? Yeah. Um, one of the bullets hit a boy named Charles Miller and missed his heart by only an inch. Like that's how good of a shot she was. And just Fuck. did it. Yeah. Um, Principal Burton Rag, he was trying to help the kids inside, but during this, he was shot and killed. Aww. And then a nearby custodian named Mike Suker uh, attempted to pull Pin- Principal Rag to safety, but he was also shot and killed. Then a police officer arrived to respond for this call to help. He was shot in the neck, um, but I believe he actually survived. Uh, although he was shot in the neck. The attack really, it only lasted a few minutes, um, but it only really takes a few minutes for people to just completely panic and for that panic to set in and try to, you know, the situation to just explode. Mm -hmm. Um, In total, Brenda had fired 30 rounds of ammunition at Cleveland Elementary School before she barricaded herself in her house for seven hours. So the standoff was way longer than the actual thing. I mean, it was maybe like a, you know, five to ten minute, if that, event. Um, During this barricade time, when she was barricaded inside of her house, Brenda took a phone interview um, from a journalist named Stephen Wiegand. And I found this really great NPR piece by uh, Mike Pesca, where he did an interview with the journalist Stephen about this phone call. Mm -hmm. And really, like, this interview that he had with Brenda is what makes this case particularly interesting. It's what everybody remembers this case for. Um, So he explains that he heard the shooting was happening, and he decided, of course, trying to get the story and try to figure out what was going on, um, to start calling, just randomly calling houses within the vicinity of the school. Mm -hmm. Um... So he calls this house, and this is what he says. He says, quote, So when I called, a girl answered the phone, and I told her who I was, and I said, Can you see anything from where you are? And she said, Yeah, it's all. And she said, "It's There's people running around. There's a couple of people shot. And I said, Can you see where the shooting's coming from? And she gave me the address. And I said, Well, isn't that the address I just called? And she said, Yeah, who do you think's doing the shooting? <laughs> So the two of them start chatting. He's, like, asking her, um, like, questions about her, her age, who else is in the house, stuff like that. Um, Eventually, he asks her, why, like, why are you shooting at this school? And she says, quote, because I just don't like Mondays. Do you like Mondays? You know, it just livens up the day. Oh, my God. (laughs) So this, of course, was the inspiration for the song, I Don't Like Mondays by uh, the Boomtown Rats. If you get a chance, I would say, listen to the whole song and look up the lyrics because it's like, it's crazy. It's yeah. a bit crazy. Um, and they actually got a lot of flack, I think, too, for like writing this song that was, it was like a number one hit in the UK. Of course. Um, for a long time. <laughs> and they kind of got into some hot water, too. I think people weren't super appreciative. Um, 
She also spoke to a police negotiator and was reported as saying the people she had shot made easy targets and that she would come out shooting. Eventually, she surrendered and police were able to enter the home where they found, like I said, various beer and whiskey bottles in the house, but Mm -hmm. she herself didn't appear intoxicated. Um, So although she was 16, Brenda was tried in court as an adult um, and she pled guilty to two counts of murder and assault with a deadly weapon. I also saw some other counts that was like assaulting a police officer or an officer of a peace officer or an officer of peace, whatever that is. Um, And some other like things for like every student she hit was another assault with a deadly weapon charge and all that other stuff. Um, So for all of this, she was sentenced to 25 years to life imprisonment and she currently resides at the California Institution for Women in Chino, California. She's Since she's been in prison, she was actually diagnosed with epilepsy and has finally received treatment for the severe depression that she mm-hmm. has. And she has been up for parole several times, um, once in 1993, in 2001, in 2005, and 2009, and every time she's been denied. And she won't be up again until 2019, um, I did read that a lot of times at her parole hearings, they bring up these statements that she made to the reporter right. about not liking Mondays and like all this Are other they stuff. asking like, so what are you going to do when it's a Monday? Right. <laughs> well, and I wonder, she has even gone on record and said, I honestly don't remember Saying making that? those statements. Yeah. So it almost to me sounds like it could have been, I don't want to say some sort of like psychotic episode, but like when you have a traumatic event. Like that, like you could just block it, like block it out. Mm-hmm. And I get that, you know. For sure, yeah. Because um, she was 16. It's like, exactly. you know, not obviously not saying that's that I okay, but to me yeah. when I was 16. <laughs> right, yeah. So I, that is one of those cases that I have always just found really interesting. Um, yeah. I actually, I just recently watched a documentary on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called uh, Rampage. Killing without discrimination, right? I think. Hold on. That sounds without actually, reason. That sounds rampage. Killing without reason. Okay. They. It's like a ten-part series where they go into different types of like mass murdering, and they talk about the origins of school shooting and how it started way before Columbine, and they mention that case, and it's mm-hmm. it's really fascinating. But yeah, because I, I and I didn't realize this, um, but the first recorded school shooting was actually in like eighteen ninety one. I want to say, yeah, like way, which I didn't realize like that far back. Oh yeah, that was happening still. And this case, Brenda Spencer, is considered um, the first modern day um, school shooting. Mm -hmm. And since, like, since then, obviously, we've had things like Columbine, Newtown, um, uh, Virginia Tech. Like, I mean, we could, NIU, we could go on (laughs) and on. And she has often said, too, like, she thinks about, like, what if I am... Um, the reason this is happening, like right. people look at me and say, 
this, you know, whatever. There was also a case too. um, There's another in, I think it's in California, another Cleveland elementary school that five, I want to say like five years after this also had a mass shooting, maybe 10 years. I think it might've been 10 years after this had a mass shooting. And it was like kind of bringing all of this up again because they had this shooting at the same, a school by the same name. It wasn't the same school, but it was kind of like bringing up all these old memories for the survivors and stuff like that. Mm So, um, yeah, that's, a school shooting. Yeah, that sure is and a school that's shooting. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's good. I love it. <laughs> um, so, that has been our wild card episode. Yeah. A little random. Randomness. Keep it random. (laughs) Switching it up a little bit. We'll be back to our themed episodes um, in a couple of weeks. If you really absolutely hated this. So, too bad. Cry about it. You made it this far. (laughs) Yeah. If you like this podcast, did you like this podcast? I I mean, I'm on it. I'm pretty sure you're contractually (laughs) obligated to say yes. I'm contractually obligated to fucking love this podcast. Not even like it. Well, I'm pretty sure that you might like this podcast, too. Oh. Hey, it's Erin. And this is Jordan. Each week, we dig up the facts on fascinating felonies. And mesmerizing misdemeanors. Join us as we prove that you don't have to know too much about the legal system to be crazy for a good true crime story. Subscribe to Crime Crazy on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And visit us at crimecrazypodcast.com. It doesn't even go here. So that was a trailer for Crime Crazy. They're Dang super great. Yeah. They very much remind me of us. Yes. So like, I realize we only come out every other week, but if you need something to fill that void, <laughs> check out those I mean, girls. it's hard yeah. to fill the Janelle and Vicky shaped void, but you know. I don't know. I Honestly, I don't want to know what kind of shape I leave in a void. Stop. Because it's probably blob shaped. I don't want to know what shape I leave. What? Why would you ever say such a thing? Because my shape is not the best. We are all just shapes. I am many shapes. (laughs) Lots of lots of shapes. We're just a meat suit, okay? Yes. Um, Did we? Did we have any? uh, You had some shout outs, right? Fuck yeah, I got some shout outs. Were you ready for that? You oh, yeah. really surprised I'm ready. that I just... <laughs> I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> so, I wanted to shout out a couple people on Twitter who were actually, like, fucking shouting us out saying, check out these ladies. Holla, holla, for a dollar. Okay, maybe not Sorry. for a dollar. <laughs> trying to get involved. Okay, so there is a, um, I don't... Yeah, I think it's a woman. Yeah, a woman. I was like, I didn't... I don't remember there being, you know, a statement of definitively a man or a woman, but it's a woman. Um, Her Twitter handle is at was in a cult, and she is starting a podcast called I Got the Hell Out. I'm so excited for this. It dropped the weekend of Christmas. Yes. And it is about a woman who was... (laughs) Spent 10 years in an Old Testament polygamous doomsday cult. Uh, I can't wait. And she shouted out our podcast on um, 
Twitter and was like, oh, check out these other great podcasts in preparation. You know, we're we're going to drop this date. Yeah. Um, check out some related podcasts, yeah, which was us. For sure. Um, so thank you so much. Go listen. Thank I'm, you. I mean, it's about cults, you guys. I am super excited you about that I because <laughs> I just finished, um, I've, I've like hit this point where I'll, like five or six of the podcasts that I'm listening to are either wrapping up seasons, like they're going mm-hmm. on to their in-between season breaks or they're just like wrap, they're like one-offs that are wrapping up and I'm, I'm kind of like trying to fill that void a little bit. Oh yeah. So I'm super excited to listen to that. Um, when oh, I get back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also have another fan, Ariel Jane, and her um, Twitter handle is at Murder the Sun. She's interested in all things. I think she also podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also shouted us out like, oh, these, this is what I'm listening to right now if anyone's interested in finding something new. Nice. Um, but yeah, definitely check out her Twitter. What was her name? Ariel Jane. Ariel. Thank you, Ariel Jane. Murder the Sun. Thank you guys so much. Sun like S O N or S U N? Like the Sun. So S O N or S U N? Like the Sun in the Sky. Like so S U N. So yeah. Okay. Like you could have just sun. said that. No, no, no. You can't the murder sun. the Sun. Capital S. Whatever. The Sun. Whatever. <laughs> Um, what else? If you liked what you hear, you can find more of the same at thebadtastecrimecast.com, yeah. iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are held in against their will. Auto radio. Auto radio. Ugh, I love auto radio. Stitcher. You know, all that other garbage. Yes. If you want to see us thrive and feel like donating to the podcast, yes. We do have a Patreon. Janelle just spent the last month um, <laughs> doing Christmas-themed episodes every day for our Patreon. <laughs> the 25 Days of Murder. You can still listen to it yeah. if you do decide to become a Patreon supporter. It, they stay up there forever. Yeah. So if, you know, decide a couple months from now, oh, yeah, I think I have enough money to support you. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, those will be up there. You can go listen to backlogged episodes of our bad taste bites. <laughs> and if you don't feel comfortable doing a recurring donation, we also have a PayPal, uh, badtastecrimecast at gmail.com that you can donate to. And if you don't want to donate, that's cool, too. We just like bringing yeah. content. Maybe you want some merch. Yeah. Check yeah. out our merch store, because we got that, too. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by now, I'll have a merch store like on the website. <laughs> We'll see. It's a 50-50 shot, but you can look. It's on all of our social media. It's it's the Bad Taste Crimecast on Threadless. You know, you'll be able to find it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so check that out. Um, get your mom a shirt. Get your dad a shirt. Get your kid a shirt. Like, get yeah. your mailman a shirt. Yeah. Or your garbage man. Sure. Your barista. Yes. Maybe your housekeeper. And Everyone. definitely that pool boy does not need a shirt because he no. can take his shirt off. You ooh, can get ooh. him a bag. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Or a or coffee mug. A water bottle. Or a water bottle. He's working so hard. He needs a glass of water. Oh my. Oh God. What, what did this all of the, podcast all of just the males into? that listen to our show were just like click and, <laughs> and I'm done. we're done forever. I'm, I'm done right <laughs> well, on that note, we want to say have a great new year, guys. Yes, we will see you in 2018. Our sound and editing mm-hmm. is done by Tiff Weech. Our music is done by Jason Zakshevsky. <laughs> The Enigma! The Enigma. Um, And that's all we got for you today. Have a great new year. And goodbye. Please don't die. I mean, that goes without saying. (laughs) Bye.